We're also very excited about what God's doing in the life of our church spiritually. So whether you're in the room today or watching online, uh, we really are glad that you're a part of what God's doing. We're in the middle of 21 days of prayer. And uh, we believe that it is the single most important thing that we get to do. That God with us, God in us, uh, is willing to hear from us and is willing to speak to us. Uh, that we are not just crazy people, but we really do believe that God is real. That he answers the deepest longings of our hearts. And as we think about prayer, I don't know about you, but for a lot of my life, prayer seemed to be one of those things, and even at times still does, seem to be important Critical even. I mean, you're in the room today, so you're, you're at least open to the fact that prayer is a thing. As a matter of fact, if we don't have time to unpack this, but if you were to dig in, you would find that there are so many people who don't believe in God, but almost without fail, everybody believes in prayer. It's a fascinating statistic. I don't want to break those down today, but the thing about prayer is that Many of us know how critically important it is, and maybe we even throw one up to the man upstairs once in a while. But my question and what I see in my own life is that for so long, prayer actually evades my lifestyle. I know that I should do this thing, but it just hasn't made its way into my routine. Sounds crazy, but even for a pastor, (laughs) even for the guy who's supposed to do it, prayer takes a lot of intentional structure, as does everything in our life that matters. And so it didn't evade my routines because I didn't want to pray. It evaded my routines because it didn't find its place in my lifestyle. Wake up, think about the things immediately in front of me. Work, wife, kids, personality, uh, personal life, friends, entertainment, sleep, and now a puppy. It's a golden retriever though, so it's the cutest thing you've ever seen. But the tragedy in all of that is, is that we fill up our life with all the things. Many of them great things. Like, I would suggest that my kids are a good thing. Amen? Thank you. And yet, all of the good things can crowd out what? The best thing. Can it? We all have that experience sometimes. And so the tragedy in that is that before you know it, years go by and spiritually speaking, you're not the person you set out to be. Not all is lost, though. I actually love the feeling and emotions of New Year's. God made us in his image to be fruitful. Newness at our core as Jesus people through God's saving work through Jesus on the cross is a story of new creation. The scripture literally says that when we put our faith in Jesus, that we pass from death to life, that God begins a new work in us that he will complete. That we have the old pass away and the new comes. And so newness, even when we baptize people, when we bring you out of the water, the phrase that we declare over your life together with God's people is that you would walk in newness of life. Newness is our story. It's part of our DNA. New life. Good news. It is who we are. And so... We come again this January 2023 back to our essential task. 
back to what matters the most. The task of prayer. Why do I say that? Why do I say that it matters most? Because there are some things that matter, right? It's a lot of things that matter, even spiritually. But I love this statement from Eugene Peterson where he says this. It'll be on the screen for you. It is the task of the Christian community to give witness and guidance in living, in the living of life. Listen carefully to this. The living of life in a culture that is relentless in reducing constricting and enervating this life spiritual theology what you come and you get from me and from everybody who stands on this platform and all of the pathways that we have for your spiritual formation is all in this spiritual theology is the attention we give to lived theology prayed and lived for if it is not prayed Sooner or later, it will not be lived. And how good is a faith that never gets lived? Jesus is not just an idea. Jesus is a person. He gave his life so that you could find an abundant life. And so it matters because to not pray is to not have a relationship with God. And to not have a relationship with God is to not be an apprentice of Jesus, is to not be a follower of Jesus. At a minimum, it makes you a practical atheist, one that would say, I do believe that there's a God. It would just make you a deist, right? I believe there's a God out there, but it makes no practical Difference in your life. So today my goal is very, very simple. I want to inspire you to pray. Next week we'll talk about some of the mechanics of prayer. I want to give you some tools to help you pray. But today I just simply want to tune your vision to a higher plane that you would maybe lift off the circumstances of your life and look at Jesus. It's very easy for me because I get to stare At art of Jesus. You have to look at me. I'm sorry. Maybe we'll reverse the whole thing. (laughs) But I simply want to do that. I want to do what artwork sets out to do. I want to lift your vision. I want to tune you to a higher place. So next week we'll talk about the mechanics. But today I just want to simply introduce you. You following me? I want to introduce you. To the secret sauce of the Christian life. To the secret sauce of prayer. You understand the concept of secret sauce, don't you? Every time I go up North Florida Avenue to Harvest Bowl. And I order the Steak It Out Bowl. If it is forgotten to remove the sauce that it comes with. And introduce the creamy garlic white sauce. The whole dish is ruined. Because it is in fact... The white sauce that makes the whole dish shine. And without it, it just frankly doesn't taste good. I do speak as an authority on that particular dish. Thank you. Because in my taste bud opinion, why does it matter? Because in my taste buds opinion, without that sauce, nothing else works. And I want you to know that in the Christian life, In following Jesus, 
if you are not experiencing life and the abundant life in Jesus, and the same is true for me, it is most likely because you're missing the single most important thing. I think it's actually possible for you to go through the religious exercise of praying every day and never experience what prayer can offer to your life. That the praying and the living goes hand in hand with the single most important ingredient. Because prayer is like that. There is an ingredient to the entirety of Christian life. Before I tell you what that is, you may already know what it is. Hopefully you know what it is. But before we even declare what that is, I want to build the case just with one more thing. Because I mentioned it's not just that we believe in God. We actually believe there's more to it than that. We actually believe that the declaration of Advent, which we just walked through into the season of epiphany that we are in now... Matters because God is with us and we'll unpack that in a minute. But the reason it matters is because prayer for Christians, prayer for followers of Jesus is different than just any other prayer. N.T. Wright sums it up beautifully what Christian prayer is not. This will be on the screen for you, too. And I want you to think about this before we dive into some scriptures today. It says for the deist or somebody who just believes in God but isn't quite sure who that is. Prayer is a calling across a void to a distant deity. This lofty figure may or may not be listening. He or it may or may not be inclined or even able to do very much about us and our world. Even if he or it wanted to, all you can do is send off a message like a marooned sailor scribbling a note and putting it in a bottle on the off chance that someone out there might pick it up. That kind of prayer takes a good deal of faith and hope, but it isn't Christian prayer. What we are not doing when we pray is throwing something out to the sky in hopes that there's something there to hear it. I want to encourage you today that there is much, much more available to you. And the secret sauce of it is God with us. What does that mean? It means that the Holy Spirit is available to you in your life at every moment of every day. The Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, is the secret sauce of the Christian life. Why do I say that? Because In our day and age where we have answers to everything and plans for everything until we don't, what happens then? And so St. Paul offers it this way at the end of his teaching on the armor of God, right? In Ephesians 6, if you've been around church at all, you know that he gives us this teaching of the armor of God and the things that we can have to be on the defensive and the offensive in your Christian life because spiritual warfare is all around you. But at the end of that, he offers us this, that we would, in Ephesians 6.18, be praying at all times. And that's where most of us stop. We know we're supposed to pray. But what does it say? It says that we would be praying at all times. Here it is. In the Spirit. Jude writes the same thing in verse 20 of his letter towards the end of your New Testament. He says this, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith. And 
praying in the Holy Spirit. So that difference maker is the Holy Spirit. That's the difference in Christian prayer. It's the difference between lobbing a thought and a hope across that great divide from the seen to the unseen. The difference maker is the Holy Spirit. And what, what, what is being in the Spirit? There's a lot of things out there. If you were to Google, how do I be in the Spirit? You would be met with a plethora of things. And what I want you to know is what we're not talking about is the charismatic expression of speaking in tongues. That's a different topic for a different day. And we'll go there someday. But what I just simply want you to know is that there is a spirit of the living God who is available to you at every moment. And I, I think, you know, one of my favorite scriptures in all of the Bible is in Romans chapter 8. Call it the great 8. Because it is our entire faith wrapped up in a chapter. But I want you to listen to the Apostle Paul, St. Paul, fill in that painting with color here. Listen to what Romans chapter 8 verse 15 says. I'm going to jump around a little bit and then we'll come back and walk through it quickly all in all. But look at verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So what does the beginning of your relationship with God look like when you surrender your will to his, when he calls you from death to life and he sends his spirit into your life, crying, Abba, Father? What does that do to you it takes away your slavery to your thing to the things of your past we sang it right i lay down my old flames and i carry your flame what does having a relationship with god look like it looks like that the spirit of god being sent into your life crying abba father so that you have a totally different view of reality than you used to that's the kind of faith i would want to be a part of i don't want to just do religious exercise I want to know that God who offers to send his spirit into my life, crying, Abba, Father. And then what does that do for me, right? Because we're a selfish people, aren't we? What does that do? I have great news for you. Look at verse 26. Likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness. And here's some encouraging words for you. Because we do not know how to pray as we ought. Maybe one of the reasons that prayer is hard to do is because we think we're supposed to do it in the right way every time that we do it. And in fact, the scripture is very honest that oftentimes we don't even know what to pray. We don't know what to pray. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. You ever had that moment? God, I, just, I don't even know what to pray right now. Well, the Spirit will pray for you. The word spirit in the Greek language that the Bible was written in is the word pneuma, and it means wind or breath or spirit. It's the word used for immaterial beings. It's important for us to know that both angels, demons, ministering spirits, all of the things that the Scripture talks about, is, is that same word is used. And so... John would tell us in 1 John 4 to test the spirits. 
even more to be in the spirit doesn't actually require you to say anything. Did you catch that in that scripture? Maybe the other part of our problem with praying is that we talk too much. No. I know some of you. And you know me. I'm a preacher, man. I talk. It's what I do. But can I just suggest that maybe one of the keys to unlocking the voice of God in your life is that you would talk less and listen more. More on that next week. But we don't actually have to say anything. What does what does Paul tell us that the spirit of God is sent into our heart crying, Abba, Father, sometimes all you need to do is sit. And wait. In the stillness and the quiet of your room or your porch or the river or wherever it is that God meets with you. Perhaps we don't know how to pray because we don't know how to listen. We don't know how to listen anymore. It seems very inefficient and unproductive to just simply sit and listen, doesn't it? It will drive you crazy. Even that one minute that we took here. If you're a guest here, you're like, what are we doing? <laughs> this church is weird. We're sitting here doing nothing. Because if you are productive at any level in your life, in college or at work or in your home or whatever the case may be, we don't sit and do nothing. Even when we have time to sit and do nothing, what do we do? I need to entertain myself. I mean, my kids... They're like, Dad, I'm so bored. So bored. Can I use your phone? No. Oh. And so I'm like, what's wrong with you? And then I go sit over here and what do I do? I get out my phone. They're like, but Dad, don't talk to me like that. They're just being discipled in the ways that I disciple them, right? Shame on me. It's all your fault, Pat. Pat said to me one time, he's like, man, like all the things I yell at my kids about, it's like, it's just because it's a nuisance to me. I'm like, why did you even tell me that? I can't unhear that. That's why James, Jesus' brother, after seeing his brother die on a cross, a Roman cross, and rise to life that first Easter, would write these words where he would say that we ought to be quick to listen and slow to speak. In Galatians, Paul tells us that if we walk by the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of our flesh. Right? Like, the key to the whole deal is being in the Spirit, is walking by the Spirit, but so often we cannot get there because we don't know who He is. We don't know how to hear the voice of God because we don't have time to slow down and listen for the voice of God. And I want to encourage you, I want to call you, I want to ask you, beg you, plead with you that you would carve out. And I use the word carve intentionally because most of us, our plate is full. And I get that. And some of you, it's actually full. It's not like Netflix and chill full. But listen. If you have time to Netflix and chill, even at 10 p.m., 11 p.m., not speaking from experience or anything. Are you laughing at me? That was my, that was my niece. That ratting me out. Right? Like, what, what am I saying to you? You have time for what matters the most. But you already knew that, right? <laughs> we all know that. 
But I want to inspire you to pray because if you will walk by the Spirit, those promises that God makes you in the Scripture will actually come alive in your life. If you want your life to look, feel, and seem and experience different things this year, walk by the Spirit. Be in the Spirit. There's so much Scripture here as we go because I'm not particularly interested in you getting my ideas, but I really want you to know that there is an incarnate Christ who conquered sin, death, hell, the grave, returned to the Father in that unseen realm, sat at His right hand in heaven, and the Father in return sent the Holy Spirit into the hearts and souls of His people. You have everything you need right now in the Holy Spirit to have a totally different life this year than you did last Everything. God's word actually calls it a godly, fruitful, and abundant life. So we have to wrap ourselves around this idea of what it means to be walking in and praying in the spirit. So what does that look like? We don't have time to unpack these again, but let me just give you some of the words that scripture uses for the Holy Spirit's work in your life. Listen to some of these that come straight out of the Bible and you could Google these later and find them. But it uses work like words like this, walk, pray, build, weakness, receive, groaning, intercession. And the implication, I think, is that our relationship with God is a lot like our relationship with people. Because we're made in his image, uh, Genesis chapter 1 tells us. And so what we see dimly in our relationships and imperfectly in our relationships with those around us is actually a reflection of what our relationship with God can look like. That, listen, without intentionality, you won't know his voice. Can you imagine if I stopped talking to her completely for a year, two years, five years, ten years? How many of you know her and know that that would not be okay? I would be in danger. Right? Because you can't be married and not speak. Right? Like what does every relationship expert begin with? Communicate, communicate, communicate. And what do we do anyway? We don't communicate and we go to therapy. (laughs) Right? What's the biggest section in the bookstore every time? Self-help. Right? Because we like ideas. We don't like work. So I don't mean to step on your toes, but the reality is you, you will not know the voice of God without being intentional. Am I making sense? You picking up what I'm laying down? You cannot have intimacy with God if you never take a walk with God. That's what I'm getting at. Let me just show you what I think that looks like really briefly in Romans 8. Let's just walk through it real quick and I'll be done. Because the beauty of this is that a relationship with God actually is available to you and it's not that far from you. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says this, There is therefore now how much condemnation? Talk to me. None. If you walked in here today feeling guilty about the fact that you have not spent time with God, I want you to throw that out because that's a lie from the devil. It's not from God. So all these things I'm saying to you isn't to make you feel bad about yourself. It's just to simply say, this is the path forward and you can do this. And here's why, because there's no condemnation for anything you've done in your past. 
There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus for the law of the spirit of what? Life has set you free in Christ from the law of sin and death. For what God has done, the law weakened by flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk, here we go again, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh, and here's where this becomes super practical for you and I, so don't miss it. Listen, for those who live according to the flesh, what? Set their mind on the flesh and the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, what? Set their minds on the things of the spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death. If you aren't experiencing the joy of the Lord, because scripture says the joy of the Lord is our strength. If that's not your reality, then you need to set your mind in a different place. It's intentional. For the mind that's set on the flesh, verse 7, is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And by the way, in our cultural moment, it's not popular to set your mind on the spirit of God and live by his law. You should just know that. But listen, anything worth following will have some opposition in this world. So don't be afraid of that. God has not given you a spirit of fear. Don't be afraid of that. But know that it's there. Jesus said, they hated me, they're going to hate you also. It's okay if not everybody likes you all the time. I'm a nine on the Enneagram, so that really bothers me, but I'm working through it. Pray for me. But listen, here's why it matters. Verse 8, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And there's nothing worse than being in that place where you cannot please God. And it's not because he doesn't want to work through you and give you what you need. And then I love this because he could stop there and you and I could feel a lot of weight, right? Like that, I need to do that. (laughs) Listen to what Paul declares over the people in Rome 2,000 years ago and the people sitting right here at Redeemer City Church today. Listen to this. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. So even when you're experiencing death in your life, if you have the spirit of God in you, you are free and alive. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. Verse 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you he who raised christ from the from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you that is what it looks like to be in the spirit it's not crazy it's not wild it's real but it takes setting your mind And so the two choices you have on the shelf are simple. Set your mind on the flesh, it leads to death. You may not die physically, but on the inside you will die. You will wither, your life won't be what you wished it was. But the second choice is to set your mind on the spirit, which brings life. So Jesus set us free and sent his spirit in us. Not to do whatever we want. See, that's the great 
misnomer about freedom, right? Is that if, if I'm truly free, it means I can do whatever I want, but that usually leads to slavery, doesn't it? Freedom is being able to do, it's being set free to do what you were created to do. And there's a huge difference. And so Jesus set us free to walk in the spirit and he would give life to our mortal bodies. So the unseen thing is what will actually bring life to everything that you see around you and in you. It's a beautiful thing. Look at what he says in verse 12. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Drop drop to verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons and daughters of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him. And we could go on, we don't have time today, but our flesh is put to death and the Spirit helps us walk in light. It's the protasis or the condition for the whole thing to work. It is the secret sauce. Intentionally walking with the Spirit of God in prayer. I'm building the case as to why you need to spend time in prayer. Because the Spirit's involvement in your life, the prompting, the awakening, the sustaining, the empowering, the guiding, won't take place if you're not in prayer. I love how C.S. Lewis adds this to the whole conversation to just encourage us as to why we ought to pray. He says this, the whole threefold life of the three personal being, the Trinity, is actually going on in that little bedroom where an ordinary man is saying his prayers. To be in the Spirit, to be praying in the Spirit, is to be so in tune with his presence and his voice that we walk in his ways. In our current cultural climate of compressed time with the gods of productivity and efficiency, which aren't bad, by the way, there's a whole book called Proverbs as to how you cannot be unproductive and lazy. So we're not saying throw those out. What we're saying is without the Spirit of God, those things don't matter. And so in that climate, what I think is true is that many people who would profess the name of Jesus simply have never heard his voice. And maybe you're in that place today. Or maybe it's been years since you heard his voice. I want you to listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 27, and be encouraged by it. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. The way for you to become in tune with his presence is to listen to his voice. And I'm actually really encouraged because I had memorized this verse when I was a kid. And I thought it was, I thought it read differently than this. Even 37 years into this deal, I thought I had memorized the verse wrong. <laughs> I thought it said, my sheep hear my voice and they know me. But that's not what it says, is it? Because that would put the emphasis on what I'm able to do, right? But that's not what's happening here. What does it say? It says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. He's doing the keeping. All we're doing is listening. All we're doing is following. 
He's doing the work. He's doing the holding. He's doing the defending. He's doing the, all the things. I just simply hear. I listen for his voice and follow. Paul preached this way. He was preaching in Athens at a assembly of the smartest people in the world at the time in Acts chapter 17. And he preached to them this idea in him, in Jesus We live and move and have our being, as even some of your own prophets have said, we are indeed his offspring. It's in Jesus that you will find life. It's the Holy Spirit of God living through you. To live and move in the Spirit is to be with the Spirit. To be with the Spirit of God is to know his voice, which is going to require that we unlearn our ways and learn His ways. To relearn his ways, we have to make space to be with him. That is what 21 days of prayer is all about. So I pitch again, and the whole application of my entire time with you today is to take a book. (laughs) Take a book and commit to spend those few minutes with him along with your entire church family every single day. For 21 days and then don't stop. Make sense? Because if we're not going to be intentional about time, we'll never hear the voice of God. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. And then we're going to sing one more song. And then I want you to grab that book on your way out. Fair enough? Let's pray. God, thanks for your word. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the opportunity to be with you. We believe that when your people gather together that you are here in our midst. And so I pray that as we sing this song together, as we think about the words that you gave us in the Bible That you would speak to us. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help us to hear your voice. That this week we would commit to set our minds on the Spirit, on you. And that we would choose to not set them on the flesh. There's so many things in the flesh that are vying for our attention. That Holy Spirit, we say along with Spurgeon so many years ago that we are so busy that we don't have time to not pray. So would you massage that into our hearts? Jesus, turn our vision up to you as we sing and then as we leave. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen.